A recent survey by risk managers by RIMS, the Risk Management Society, shows that more than half of survey respondents say their organizations did not have cyber insurance. Hello, I'm Eric Chabro of Information Security Media Group, and to discuss cyber liability insurance, I'm pleased to be joined by Richard Fortnick, a lawyer who specializes in cyber and technology risks and insurance at the law firm Cozen O'Connor. Welcome, Rick. Thank you, Eric. It's good to be here. Are most organizations properly insured against the impact of cyber attacks and IT failure? The vast majority at this point are not. Most companies still to this day do not appreciate the risks and exposures that they face and are not aware of exorbitant costs that could arise from a cyber breach, both with respect to business interruption loss as well as third-party exposures should financial or healthcare or other information of customers' clients be stolen. So there's a lot of different verticals that companies need to be concerned about, first-party, crisis management, third-party liability. There's a lot of news about cyber intrusions and, and then companies being hacked and personal identifiable information being exposed. Despite this, why do you suspect uh, companies aren't aware? It's like the shoemaker whose son walks around barefooted. It can't happen to me. I don't worry about myself. I'm worried about everybody else. You read about cyber breaches and virtually all that you know about are big Fortune 50, Fortune 100 companies, government contractors, folks that the typical company or the typical person who owns a company can't relate to. They presume, why would someone hack me? Who would want anything that I have? And I would say to them, if you had an opportunity to rob a bank in downtown Philadelphia, where I'm located, or you could go into a suburb on a street corner that's a neighborhood, where would you go? Well, low-hanging fruit is the easy street corner bank, and the low-hanging fruit in this space are smaller and mid-sized companies that either don't appreciate the risks or don't think it can happen to them. These companies are not out there actively putting into place the cybersecurity protections that they might need or thinking about having to buy insurance because they are investing their limited corporate assets in other things to grow the business and not thinking about protecting the business. Is there a perception or a misperception among many organizations that they have other types of liability policies that might protect them from some of the damage that can be caused by a cyber attack? Let me answer that this way. Yes and no. Companies don't think about it. They just don't. It's not on the radars until it is on the radars. As to those companies that have thought about it, they will most likely have asked the brokers. Sadly, even as of today, brokers don't understand the product. I had a broker say to me, such and such client did not need cyber insurance because they have a different type of insurance. Well, I looked at their coverage and came to realize very quickly they didn't have the coverage the broker said or thought they did. Policyholders are not necessarily being given the best advice or they're not understanding the scope of the coverage that they have. Some policies do provide limited coverage. For example, there was a very recent decision, I think it came out last week, from an appeals court that found a crime policy covered a cyber event. 
up to now, nobody was looking at crime policy. So there is one other avenue that a company could look to. If you are a service provider, you might look to your professional liability policy for third party. That still does not address the first party business interruption. It certainly doesn't address the crisis management aspects, which up to now has been the leading expense in this area. Lawyers are second and liability with regard to third party lawsuits is way down the list of expenses. Folks who think about it think they're covered, but depending on the type of event that we're talking about, they might not be. They probably aren't. So you're a C-level executive or maybe in the information security department of of an organization and your company doesn't have cyber liability coverage. What do you start doing to make sure you know what should be protected? Speak with a lawyer and not even hire a lawyer because the advice that a lawyer would give should not take very long and I give out free advice on what I think a company might want to look into if you if they want to then proceed obviously then it becomes more of an enterprise at the very beginning I say you need to create a cyber response plan and you need to get these team members in place for example you need the general counsel if you have one you need human resources you need IT, you need a C-level executive, you need management, you need everybody to get in a room, discuss what the corporate assets are that need to be protected, what the personal information is, whether it's employees or customers or clients, and come up with some kind of plan to send people off to do their respective jobs. The HR people need to lock down their employee information. The IT people need to make sure the proper security measures are in place, so on and so on. It's not hard to tell people to do that. The devil's in the details as always. It's getting it done and getting people to actually buy into it and do what they need to do. Then while you're doing that, I would also suggest companies speak to their brokers and get some insight from their brokers as to that plan and how insurance might help. Obviously, as with anything else, the more secure your company is, the more protections you have in place, the better a risk you are for an insurance company. The better a risk you are, the more likely an insurance company would be willing to quote and the more protected you are, theoretically, the lower the quote would be because the lower the risk, the lower the premium. An initial step would be doing an information risk analysis. A complete top to bottom and internal risk and exposure analysis, not just risk, but exposure. And obviously, if a cyber criminal wants to get through, look at through. There's no magic bullet for a company to certify that is 100% protected, but you make it harder for them. And again, as to the low-hanging fruit, if it's hard, most thieves aren't going to bother because there's too many other easy targets out there. You can make it harder for them. They won't be interested in you. And the money you pay to implement such a process will pale in comparison to the cost if there is a cyber event, I can assure you. I've seen these claims time and again, or a hundred, I would say at this point, and the upfront cost is a fraction of the response cost in the event of a bad event. What are the major costs that companies face when an event happens? 
depending on the company, depending on the event, I mean, there's a lot of variables. At a bare minimum, you've got to get in a forensic person to figure out if there's a cyber breach, let's say as an example, how the breach occurred, how do you close whatever the door is that they came in. If you have more than, say, 500 people whose personal information was stolen, you may have reporting requirements. 46 states have laws in effect that required breach notification to a state attorneys general and to affected individuals. So you'll have notification costs. You may have PR costs. You may have legal costs. You may have to create a call center for people who are affected because people whose information is stolen, they're going to want to talk to somebody. They're just going to want to vent. They're going to want to hear what you're going to do for them. And then you're going to have to provide them some remedy that will make them feel like they're being protected or they're being compensated in some way for the inconvenience and the theoretical harm that might come to them. And typically in this space, that, that means credit monitoring, although there are other giveaways that uh, insurance companies and companies are using credit freezes, credit thaws, things like that. But the most typical at this point is credit monitoring. How about the value of information that may be breached? I mean, is there? can you quantify that and can that be insured? Well, yes and no. Uh, can I quantify it? It depends on the company. Sure, you can quantify it. What's your what are your assets worth? Many companies' assets these days, as we read about in the paper every day, is their intellectual property. You had Apple's get a billion-dollar verdict against Samsung. Intellectual property is what our economy is going to be based on moving forward, not brick and mortar anymore. How do you quantify it? What's the value of it? How do you insure against it? Business interruption and all other types of insurance, but you know, goodwill and things like that are not insurable. They're intangible assets that are unquantifiable. Some accountant can value goodwill, but it's not an insurable event. Talking to people whose organizations do have cyber insurance, tell me it's a more complex application process. They say they, they fill literally dozens of pages for cyber liability insurance. I wouldn't say dozens, but it's far more substantial because what you're evaluating are companies' cyber risks and exposures. How do you do that? You need to understand the company. You need to understand the valuable information they hold, whether it be corporate information, personal information, healthcare information. You need to understand the technical security protections. You need to know what their security measures look like. You need to know what their plan looks like. You need to know what they do with the information. Do they send it to the cloud? If they send it to the cloud, to whom do they send it? What are their protections? It, you really need to understand every single aspect of the organization and their infrastructure, both human infrastructure and intellectual property infrastructure, as well as their secu inf information security infrastructure. It's not like you go to a building and you look and say, okay, they've got smoke detectors. Okay, they've got a sprinkler system. Okay, they have these tangible things that I can look at. And I don't have to ask you about because I can see it. You know, do you have a fire alarm? Things like that. It's self-evident. It's not self-evident when you're talking about cyber. So you have to ask the questions to understand what the risk as an underwriter that you might be buying into. You mentioned cloud. Cloud and, and relationships organizations have with other organizations because of what IT can offer. Is it hard to quantify your digital assets because where they're situated or who has them? Can they be protected? 
Your assets are your assets. I mean, you can value your assets. I think what you're asking is, can you value the risk to your asset? Because the assets are whatever they're worth. I mean, let's say you own a patent and its value is a million dollars and your assets are a million dollars. I mean, it, I'm assuming that includes goodwill and all those other things that follow, but let's say the asset is the asset. Then the question is, what happens if it's stolen? And that question is, how well protected is the cloud provider that you're using? Do they have protection to protect you? And typically, cloud providers have limitations of liability in their contracts. And if I send you something and you're holding it for me and then it gets stolen, whether it be personal information, IP or whatever, you, the cloud provider, might only have to pay me $1,000, $10,000, certainly not the value of what I've given you, but that's how the contracts run these days. It's a problem for mom and pop who have to outsource their information to a cloud, and they're sending it to somebody who, frankly, they probably don't even know what their protections are. They just know it's a cheap way to store stuff, and they don't read the fine print because most people don't read the fine print and don't realize what they're giving up by releasing all this information into the care custody control of a third party. So let's take an example of an organization that's storing personal identifiable information on the cloud. And the cloud has limited liability to the business, whether it's a mom and pop or a small, medium-sized business. Can cyber insurance protect those companies? Yes, yes. I would call the data bailey, and I, I use that as a term of art. It's a legal term. It means someone who holds something that belongs to someone else. Okay, what was that term again? Data Bailey. How do you spell that? B-A-I-L-E-E. It's a a term I've created. It doesn't exist. It does in my world, and I've used it in some several things I've written. If you give me your personal information, let's say you buy something from me and you give me your credit card. I now hold your credit card number. I hold your personal information. I am a Bailey. I'm holding something that belongs to you, and so I have a duty to you at that point to protect it. Let's say, and I offload it to a cloud and then it gets stolen out of the cloud. It's your information that's stolen that you then handed to me that I was responsible for that I then laid off on somebody else. Okay, let's then take the next step and say someone, the person who steals your information then uses your credit card and buys whatever they buy. And of course your credit card company is gonna write it off as fraud, but you might have some associated damages or injury, or at least you want credit monitoring. Who would you call? You're not gonna call Ghostbusters, you'd call me and you'd say, all right, I gave it to you, you're responsible for it. I say to you, well, it was stolen from the cloud. And you say, I don't care where it was stolen from. I gave it to you. You're responsible for it. You go deal with whomever you have to deal with. And if you don't take care of me, I'm going to sue you. At that point, or if not before, I've got my insurance backing me up, assuming I've bought it, and it will protect me or should protect me from your claim and your lawsuit. Whether my insurance company or I then can go against the cloud provider is my problem. It's not your problem. Your problem is making sure that I take care of you because I'm the one who you gave the information to and who you hold to be responsible and accountable for it. I can buy insurance. I, the policy would respond, should respond, if I bought that coverage. You're a policyholder. You're putting some of your the personal identifying information of your customers on a cloud. What does a policyholder have to do to show the insurance company that it's taken the proper precautions that the cloud provider is taking steps to protect that information? I don't know that the insurance companies typically at this point are looking to that next layer of security in the cloud. They should. I don't know that all of them are, 
one of the questions in the application should be, do you offload to the cloud and to whom do you offload it? It may well be the insurance companies know the cloud provider so they know what their systems look like. That is the duty of the, the insurance company and its due diligence up front to ask the right question and feel comfortable with the answer. If the insurance company doesn't ask about cloud, which I can't imagine it wouldn't, but if you get an answer and it doesn't then go to the next step and investigate the cloud provider and it writes to the insurance, that's on the insurance company. That's not on you. You've told them what they've asked and what you think they want to know. They then have taken the risk. Certainly, they're going to, I imagine and I know that they will have asked, do you offload to the cloud and to whom do you see the information? The various insurance companies that offer cyber liability insurance, are their policies as consistent as, say, other kinds of liability insurance? These things are all over. There's some consistency at 20,000 feet. There's first party, there's crisis management, there's third party. But once you start dropping down into the weeds, there are so many material differences between the coverages available that there's no real one-size-fits-all approach. Is that because it's still a relatively immature industry? Yes. Everybody wants to distinguish themselves from everybody else because there is so much insurance capacity out there. There's so many companies writing policies at this point. How do you tell them apart? They need to distinguish themselves. They make themselves more attractive to a particular company or a particular sector or a particular risk. As the industry matures, there'll probably be somewhat more consistency. There'll be ISO, Insurance Services Office, form that companies use as they do in their general liability, but we're years and years and years away from that. Still, you need a sophisticated insurance advisor to tell you the differences between the policies and what policy or what policies, what company or companies provide the best coverages for your entity. Earlier, you mentioned that a lot of brokers aren't that familiar with cyber insurance. So what should a company do to make sure one is that their broker does understand it or two, where else can they get information? What do they should do? They should ask their broker to tell them what types of companies they've represented in cyber. Do your homework on your broker to test them, see if they know about cyber, and then have them go out and bring you back a bunch of proposals, I don't know, two, three, four proposals, and have them distinguish it, and you'll know whether they know what you're talking about. Regrettably, as I say, most brokers don't understand it yet because it's still too new, and people are afraid of new things. I mean, it's human nature. Even people I work with, you know, if they if they don't understand it, they don't have time to understand it or they don't have the inclination unless they're the under 25, in which point it's embedded in their DNA and they totally get it. But how do you find a broker? You can go on the internet and you can scour around and you'll, you'll know who the folks are who know this stuff. They're the people writing the articles, the people giving speeches around the country. They're the people that are being promoted by the industry because the industry has a, an infrastructure of folks who are very knowledgeable and whose knowledge is touted by the industry itself that these are the brokers that know what they're talking about, these are the underwriters who know what they're talking about, these are the lawyers who know what they're talking about. You know, it's, it's out there. You just have to go find it. Don't just entrust it to your broker and assume he or she knows what he or she is doing because that would be an incorrect assumption, I would say, 75 to 80 percent of the time at this point. Thanks, Rick. My pleasure. Again, thanks for having me. I've been speaking with Richard Bortnick of the law firm Cozen O'Connor for Information Security Media Group. I'm Eric Chabro. Thanks for listening.